Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. God, we literally, we just stand in awe of who you are, Lord God. Lord God, we stand at this moment, Lord God. We cast, Lord God, away the cares of this day, Lord God the circumstances of our world, the circumstances of this day. God, if we just shut it all out and stand in amazement, Lord God, of how you love us, Lord God. So Father, we thank you for your love, Lord God. God, we thank you for your care and your concern for us, Lord God. God, we thank you, Lord God, that in your divine wisdom, Lord God, you allowed us to see yet another day, Lord God, in the land of the living, Lord God. You gave us one more day, Lord God. You allowed us to get from point A to point B without incident, Lord God. You allowed us on a Wednesday night after school or work or all the things that consume our day, Lord God. You allowed us, Lord God, to be in your house, Lord God, to learn more about you, to give you glory, to give you praise, God, to realize that there's nothing going on in our world, Lord God, that's bigger than you, Lord God. That there's nothing, Lord God, that can keep us from you, Lord God. And so, God, we pray for that person to our right and to our left. Because, God, although we walk in here with smiles and greetings and, hi, how are you? We never know the circumstances, Lord God, of the world, Lord God, that some of our brothers and sisters deal with. So, God, we just release peace right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We release healing right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Lord God, we release sound mind right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We release, Lord God, whatever it is, Lord God, that they are standing in need of and believing you in faith for, Lord God, even if it's just tiredness in their bodies, Lord God. We pray for strength tonight. Lord God, so we won't just come here on a Wednesday to say, oh, we came to prayer. We came to Bible study, but God, we come with an expectation that your word is alive. Your word is a living, and because it is a living, it can breathe life into dead situations, Lord God. Because it is a living, Lord God, we can come in one way, Lord God, and leave out another way, even on a Wednesday night, Lord God, if we come in that kind of expectation. So God, that's how we come to you tonight. Ready, Lord God. Ready to receive from you and ready for you to take us from where we are, God, to a place, oh God, that you're calling us to. So God, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Look at your name and say, I feel better already. I feel stronger already. Amen. That's the power of prayer. That is the power of prayer. We're going to pick up tonight, believe it or not, where we left off in August. (laughs) Now, if you all remember all that we did in August, you all are better than I am. But I thank God for notes. Amen. Amen. In August, we began a series Um, called The Five Prophetic Seasons of David's Life. And during that time in August, we dealt with the very first season of David's life, and that was the Bethlehem season, Um, faithfulness in small things. Now, tonight we're not going to have an opportunity to review that entire season because we want to make sure that we give credence and time Uh, to the other seasons that we're going to look at. Um, But I do want to make sure that we understand, as we looked at that whole entire season, Bethlehem, faithfulness, and small things, that the best way to sum up that season is that every detail of the life, every detail of life is a reflection of God's intentionality regarding our lives. Every, Every detail. 
And when we looked at and took the time to study David's life, the reality is that everything in his life was God's intentional act towards him, from where he was born to who he was born to, the time in history that he was born, to the ancestor that traced his lineage, to the job that he had, to the number of siblings that he had, to his birth order was God's intentionality for his life. And that everything that happened to him, God was behind it all. And if we remember all of David's early life, in fact, most of his early life was not a pretty life. He was a shepherd. We learned that being a shepherd was not as glorious as the pictures make it look. But he was outside by himself with not so pleasant smelling animals for most of the day. And he did that, but he did it with faithfulness and he did it with consistency. And it was in the midst of that that God began to prepare him for greater. And we learn in that season that, that God can give you the strength that you need to be faithful regardless of what your circumstances are. And it's in the small things that God is looking for faithfulness before we can get to the greater things. Now, even though we're not going to take as much time to spend on that first season, it is so important that the reason we take time to look at characters like David is because the message that we learn in David's life is the same message that God wants us to understand about our lives. That there may be things in our lives that not are as pretty as we would like for them to be. Maybe we have a smelly job that we don't like either. The reality is that everything that God has allowed in your life, including the parents to whom you were born, the brothers and sisters that you have, the city that you were born in, the, all of that God said, I'm going to use all of it. Because he said before you were formed in your mother's womb, not only did he have plans for your life, the Bible said he had holy plans for your life. Now, we may have made some unholy choices along the way, but God said from the beginning I had holy plans for your life. And the reality is, in spite of us, God still has holy plans for our life. Now, what we are going to do today is we're going to take a look again at seasons as we look at this second season of David's life. And I'm going to read a quote that I have read in two prior Bible studies, but I think it has just become so essential to my understanding of how God is acting in our life. And if it wasn't so long, I would put it on a bumper sticker because it really brings home some of the things that we as believers struggle with. And it was actually taken from a sermon that Pastor Say did, and I didn't realize it until I looked over a year ago in uh, January of 2015, but it's just still so fresh in my head. And it says, here's the problem with the believer. We can't equate the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom and the purpose of the kingdom with anything else other than blessings. However, Jesus reveals that the kingdom of God, listen to this, will take you places that although laced with divine purpose, you will not be able to, in the moment, be completely relaxed in. Because it's going to be a challenge to you, a challenge to your mind, a challenge to your body, a challenge to your spirit, a challenge to your souls. In those moments, you have to look through the present day experience and have a revelation about the fact that God knows what he's doing. Look at someone and say seasons. Life is filled with seasons. And I think that's one of the things that we just have to, to remember. Life, life is filled with seasons. And that's the first truth that we got to be reminded of. There's always going to be seasons. That's what Genesis, we learn in Genesis 8.22. That's what it's saying. It says seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. There's always going to be a changing of seasons. And I say that that's so important to remember. If you realize that seasons are always changing, you should never get to a point of comfort in any season. In, in, in any season. If they're constantly changing. As soon as you get used to winter, guess what? It's time for spring. As soon as you begin to enjoy spring, it starts getting hot and it's time for summer. The next thing you know is getting cool. They're always changing. Always changing. The next thing... You can bear fruit in every season. You can bear fruit in every season. 
Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. In the New Living Translation, it says that brings forth fruit every season. Now, here's the thing. I was sitting in my office actually earlier today preparing. And for those of you who've been in my office, if you've never been, you're welcome to visit me. And I was sitting and my, my window faces to Jefferson Street. And there's a huge tree right outside my window. And I was looking at it as I was just reflecting and I looked at it and it, it looks dead. There's nothing on it. I mean, nothing, it's just bare. I can see straight through. During the spring, I can't even see out my window. Right now, I can see straight through it. And I began to wonder, as I looked at that, that tree looks dead, but it's just as alive as it's ever been. And then I said, well, how does it look one way, and in reality, it's very different? And I really began to, to look into how trees survive during the winter. And as I began to, to read about it and, and study, and I even watched a YouTube video, because I really did begin a little fascinated, and, and I realized that there is a, a lot of hard work that tree is doing to stay alive during the winter. Because everything in the natural course of things, because it can't get the water freely flowing through its roots that it does when the ground is frozen, it is literally working overtime to keep itself alive. It's reproducing cells and killing the right cells, and all just to stay alive until the season changes. And, and the Lord began to speak to me like only he can. He see, it's your fight during the winter season that makes you look good in spring. He said, that's, he said, it's the fight of your life when nobody's paying attention to you. No one takes pictures of trees in winter. Let those cherry blossoms pop up come March. Everybody wants to smile in front of it and, and post them and, and frame them because it's pretty and it's beautiful. But the only reason we can enjoy the beauty of spring is because of our fight during the winter. And so if you find yourself in a winter season, first of all, you're not dead. Look at somebody say, you're not dead. You're not dead. You may look a little dead. <laughs> you may look a little lifeless. Say, but there's a fight in you. You got to tell you, there's a fight in me. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a fight in you. Fight during this season. You got to, I mean, that tree is working. It sells and multiplying in the spirit. We've got to fight during the winter season. Spring is coming, but you got to fight to survive, to get there. And you're going to be pretty and everyone's going to love you. But in the meantime, you've got to do the work to get there. So you can bear fruit, even when it doesn't look like you're bearing fruit. In every season, in sickness, you can still bear fruit. In scarcity, God said, you can still bear fruit. In abundance, you can bear fruit. God said, if you trust me, no matter what is going on in your life, if you yield yourself to, to me, who is omnipotent, you will bear good fruit. And it's good fruit. Say good fruit. Good. We, we attach to the vine. We don't, we, don't, we don't bear bad fruit. Good fruit is ours. Next thing about seasons. Seasons provide fresh revelation of the character of God. Fresh revelation about the character. Something else I've learned in recent years. Now, you may have already known, but it was new for me, and I'm not, I'm not saying it to be facetious. It really was. I don't know everything there is to know about God. I don't. And I say that because I really thought that, you know, when you get to a point where you've been in the word long enough, been saved long enough, you, you, you've got this down. You know the right scriptures to say, the right prayers to pray. But God said, I'm still revealing myself to you. He said, I haven't changed, but you're just not that good to know all that there is to know about me. He said, you know me, but you don't know me like that. He said, I'm still trying to show off 
who I am. And it's sometimes in difficult seasons or even in good seasons that we see the character of God in a way that we've not seen it before. And that's the story of Ruth. And that scripture that's taken there, we're not going to take time to go to it. But when, when she had suffered all of that and then the kinsman redeemer showed up and her life began to turn around, it says in the Message Bible, she said, my God, God had walked out on us after all. In other words, everything they had been through, she was under the impression that God had abandoned them. And then as God began to show his divine plan, she had a revelation. She said, by God, he didn't leave us. He had a plan all along. He, he had this thing worked out from the beginning. The same thing in Job. He says, you know, I had heard about you by the hearing of the ear. He said, but now... After everything that I've lost and everything that I've heard and everything that I've been through, he said, now I know you for real, for real. He said, I heard about you. Mom and them talked about you. I heard them talk about you in the, the gathering. But now because of what I've been through, now I really know you. And now that I know you, the only thing I know to do is repent. Because when I was complaining and yelling and lashing out, now that I see you in a way that I've never seen you before, God, forgive me for not embracing what you were doing in my life. Fresh revelation happens during seasons. Next, there's good to be discovered in, in difficult seasons. Even Paul, that reference there, and, and they were saying that some people were literally preaching the gospel because they thought it would make it harder for him as he was in prison. He said, I could care less. He said, as long as the gospel is being preached, preach on. He said, no matter what your motives are, if somebody's going to hear the truth, he said, I how I'm affected, it doesn't matter. If good's going to come out and somebody's going to come to know the saving life, the saving blood of Jesus Christ, go do it. He said, even, if, yeah, I'm in prison, but do whatever you need to do as long as the gospel is preached. Same thing with our dear friend Joseph. After he had gone through prison to palace to palace to prison, through season, through all of those things that had, and when he had a chance to, 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 to react or, or act vengeance on his brothers, he says in Genesis, that as that chapter ends, he said, y'all meant it for my, for my destruction. He said, but God had a plan so much bigger than y'all's foolishness. He said it was so a whole generation could be saved. Did he say he loved being thrown into prison, wrongly accused? No. Nobody, if you like that, that's that normal to, to, to want that. He's not saying, oh, I'm really good. I went to prison. I was wrongly accused. And, no, he's saying in spite of it all, God brought something good out of it. And I trust you, trust me in this. If you hold on long enough, I don't care how hard it is, how disappointing it is, how for, if you hold on long enough, not according to me, but according to the witness of Scripture, God's going to bring the good out of it. He shows it in character after character. And then he also says through Paul and Romans, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if you know you're walking in love of the father and you're called according to the pur his purpose, everything in your life is going to work for your good. You may look like that tree out there right now, but it's going to work for your good. People may be ignoring you right now, but it's going to work for your good as long as you keep the fight. The last thing, that was the last thing. Alrighty. I, I guess I just felt like I had another point, but I really don't. That, that, that was it. Okay? And so now, those are things for us to remember, just to remember about seasons. I mean, that should, even if I stop, that, that should encourage us right now. Because, I mean, you can be in a season, you're like, man, this is just, the enemy will tell you this is, your, this is your story. People will tell you this is your story. You have to say, no, this is just a season. It's not your story. And people will jump in in a chapter of your life and, and define, nope, it's just a season. So let's look at the next season of, of David's life, and that's Gibeah, the test of early promotion. Gibeah. The test of early promotion. Now, 
Just to give you the background of how David ends up in Gibeon. This, this season starts after David is anointed king. Okay, so if you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 so we can look at this story in detail. Most of us, whether you were here in August for the Bible study or not, we're probably familiar, or many of us are familiar with the anointing of, of David. But for those of us who may not be, Saul had lost his mind. He had just decided that he didn't need God's direction. He didn't need to follow God's word. And, 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 and God was through. He said, I regret. I regret that I ever made Saul king. And as Samuel was mourning the loss of Saul's reign and his, his, his probably just his love for him, when you truly love a person and you see them fall, it, it, it hurts you. It does. I mean, it, it grieves, and, and then and God had to speak. He said, how long are you going to grieve? He's like, I've rejected him. It's over. He said, I need a king. And, and so he directs him to go to the house of Jesse, and one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And so he has Jesse bring all his sons before Samuel to figure out which one is the king, and, and, and Samuel holds the horn of oil, and none of them are the king. And so he said, do you have another son? <laughs> now, isn't that sad when somebody asks you to bring all your sons out? It just shows. Remember where David, he said, bring all your sons. And he forgot about, he's like, I do have another one, but I guess he probably said, it can't be David. <laughs> and that's what I love about God, the ones we least expect and the ones that God elevates. And so he's like, he's with the sheep. He said, that's the one I'm looking for. So he anoints him. He becomes the next king of Israel. This whole, all of this happens. But then the Bible tells us, let's look at 1 Samuel 16. It says, and Samuel took, starting at verse 13, sorry. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So in other words, as soon as God's spirit fell on David, it departed from Saul. And here's the thing, and even those of us who, when you've walked with God and depended on God, when we, when we turn away from God and we're used to the peace of God and we're used to the direction of God and the presence of God, it'll drive you crazy when it's gone. Naturally, spiritually, every, and that's what happened to Saul. He didn't even realize that God's presence was the one that was keeping him even in his disobedience. But now it's gone. And he had gone, literally, he had lost his mind. And so look what it says. It says, Saul's servant, it says, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you, that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I've seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the flock. So where did David go after he had been anointed king? Back to sheep. How do we know? Because that's where he was. Go get him. He's with the flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a jug of wine, and a young goat, and sent it to Saul by David. His son, that David came to Saul and attended him, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand and Saul would be refreshed and be well and the evil spirit would depart from him. So this is the context we have for this second season. Now, in this second season of David's life, it's the first time he has actually had a taste of earthly success. He's Something good has seemingly, he's had a taste of earthly success. Remember, 
his history, youngest brother, then he don't even get called to the coronation. I mean, he's just, you know, he's, he's left out in the field. He's a shepherd. He's by himself. They, they, I mean, he, all of those things, no one really knows who he is. Not even his own family recognized it. And now he has been recognized on a national scale. It's, it's analogous. Anybody in here have a high school student, someone in high school, grandchild, son, high school? Imagine they're in high school, regular student, going about their day, and somebody comes and says, the president needs a new assistant. And you were it. That's what just happened to David. Regular kid, doing a regular job, and now he's the, the right-hand assistant to the president. Okay? Major. Major. You probably be like, what? <laughs> and all I gotta do is play the harp. Yep, that's all you gotta do. Play the harp. The harp you learned out there while you were dealing with those sheep, just play the harp. And then the very next chapter is one of the, probably the most well-known Bible passages in, 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 in history, and that's the story of David and Goliath. And so he goes from being the, the, an assistant to the king to having one of the greatest victories recorded in scripture. And so it's interesting that in this season, of promotion, that it is not called the blessings of early promotion. It's called the test of early promotion. Turn with me, and actually you don't have to turn because I'm going to read it from two different translations, and you may not have it. But in Proverbs 27, 21, from the Message Bible, it says this, the purity of silver and gold is tested by putting them in the fire. The purity of human hearts is tested by giving them a little fame. Just a little bit. New Living Translation. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. Here comes a real test. Now that you are almost in a sense that you, you have the recognition that you've longed for, that you've desired, that maybe you've even secretly prayed for God to say, now what are you going to do with it? So we always talk about the lessons that are to be learned from our trying seasons. We, we, we hear that. I said that at the beginning of this lesson. But understand this. Remember I said seasons come and seasons go. There's never a season in your life that God doesn't want you to learn something. So even if you are in a season of blessing and you're in a season of abundance and you're in a season of manifestation and you're in a season of answered prayer, because those seasons do come. No, amen. Those seasons do come. That would have been like, yeah, they do. They really do come of blessings and abundance and joy and answered prayer and manifestation and wow, look at God, those seasons come. They really do and they're great. But God said, I'm still trying to teach you something. I'm still gonna try to get you to learn something. And so there's some lessons to be learned even in these seasons of promotion. The first lesson I believe to be learned in Gibeah for lack of sounding redundant, is that seasons are seasonal. Seasons are seasonal. Going back to Genesis 8.22, no season comes to stay. And they're always saying, there's a song that we used to sing in my church growing up. It says, time is filled. Somebody was there. Time is filled with swift transition. None on earth. It's just like, whoo, the only way you can survive is to do what? Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold to his hand, God's unchanging hand. Because that's the only thing that's unchanging, because time's going to keep on rolling. I mean, and swiftly, as soon as you get rest, God said, mm-mm, get ready to do something else. It's feel So one of the things that, that David and all of us have to learn, even in seasons of prosperity and blessings and abundance and answered prayer, it's still a season. It's still a season. 
no more or no less valuable than any other season that you're in. And so the first lesson is a lesson in what not to do as we look at this Gibeah season. And it's often been said that there's two ways to learn. You can learn from experience, but we have also learned that experience is not the best teacher. Someone say, it is not the best teacher. Say, point to the person next to him, say, your experience is a better teacher. If you've been through it and you've learned, help me so I don't have to go through the same thing that you went through. You've already learned the lesson. Tell me, and then I'm going to let you know what I did and learn from mine so you don't have to go through what I went through. So this is who we're going to learn. We're going to learn the season of what not to do in a season of, of promotion. And it's a, it's a story in, in, in Samuel, but we're going to veer off from David for a little bit. And his name is, I'm going to let y'all turn to it because I've been practicing this and it just, you know, I, I'm going to get it. All righty. Ahithophel is who we're going to learn about in 2 Samuel 17. All right. So turn to 2 Samuel 17. Now, let me just give you the background of, of this gentleman here. Okay. Now, he had a reputation for showing good judgment and discernment. He was known throughout uh, the Jewish community of, of just being a good judge, a good, a good decision maker. And he was highly esteemed because of his ability to make good judgments and to, to use discernment. And at one point, he had even served as a counselor for King David. So that, that's the background of this story. So let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 17. Now, here's the situation. This is, this is way past where we are right now um, in, the, in the life of David. This is where now his son Absalom, years later, is trying to take the throne from him. And so Absalom goes, and it says in, in, in chapter 17, verse 1, it says, please let me choose 12,000 men that I may arise and pursue David tonight. So in other words, he goes to Absalom to give him some advice. He said, this is what you need to do to defeat David. He says, you need to let me choose 12,000 men that I may, may arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and exhausted and terrify him so that all the people who are with him will flee. Then I will strike down the king while he's alone and I'll bring back all the people to you. The return of everyone depends on the man you seek. Then all the people will be at peace. So the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Sounds like a plan, right? But look what Absalom did in verse 5. Then Absalom said, now call Hushai, the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. When Hushai had come to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has spoken thus. Shall we carry out his plan? If not, you speak. So Hushai said to Absalom, this time the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good. Okay? So this man is known for giving good advice. Absalom questions his judgment. He asks somebody else. Now, Hushai gives him different advice. And if you read this in your own time, I'm not going to read the rest of this chapter. He tells him to, to do something completely different. Now, the reality is Hushai was actually working on behalf of God. He was secretly in, 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 in David's camp. And so the advice that he gave them was really to protect David and his men. But Absalom didn't know that. But what Absalom did was he chose Hushai's plan and he rejected that of Ahithophel. And how does he respond? Go down to verse 14. It says that Absalom and all the men of Israel said the council of Hushai the archite is better than the council of Ahithophel. And it says, for the Lord had ordained it to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom. But step all the way down to verse 23. So basically what happens is they reject his advice, they take the other guy's advice, and they get defeated completely. But look what happens in verse 23. 
Now, when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and arose and went to his home to his city and set his house in order and strangled himself. Thus he died and was buried in the grave of his father. Because they didn't take his advice. What in the world does that have to do with promotion and elevation? Here's the thing we have to understand when God begins to elevate us and promote us. You have to find your security and identity in God, not in your status or reputation. His security was in what he was known for. He was a wise counselor. People sought him out. He took pride in the advice that he gave and the fact that if he said it, people literally did it. And now that his authority has not even been questioned but not followed, he is completely undone. Because his security was in his reputation. When God begins to put us in places, when God begins to allow us to see new things and experience new things and have new influence, your security can't be in your new influence. Your security can't be in how much your new boss likes you. Because I can tell you, I've met with people and they will tell me a testimony about a job and how God worked that thing out and they're making more money than they've ever been and God is blessed them with a wonderful supervisor. And six months later, y'all, I'm not making this up. I don't know what happened. You know, I, I, I don't know what happened. We were, we were good and I, I, I'm do I, I, just, I, can't, I don't know what happened. I, I thought I was, you know, I, we were good with everything. God said, don't ever put your security in any man. No matter how, how much they praise you, no matter how much they tell you what a blessing you are, no matter how, much you're, how good your work is, what a, a benefit you are to the company, because what will happen is the enemy will use it and make you so dependent on the praise of man that you will forget how you got there in the first place. When, when the scriptures tell us that God is a jealous God, you know what that means? God is a jealous God. He will not give his praise or his glory to another. And God said, you got to always find your security in me. When you find your security in anything else other than God, it's going to end up letting you down. It's going to end up letting you down. Because the people who speak highly of you today Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, oh, the King of David, Hosanna, Hosanna, crucify him, crucify him. Why are you not surprised? The same people who, who think you are wonderful today, I think you are a waste of breath the next day. You're amazing. Mm, she full of hot air. God said, find your security in me. If not, while you're basking in promotion, it'll end up being your destruction. It will. Can you imagine if Jesus was dependent on the praises of people to do the will of God? We would all be short right now. You just can't. And that just follows up with the next point that we learn from him. The essence of who you are and who you are to God is never tied to a position or a title. Amen. I said the essence of who you are and who you are to God is never tied to a position or a title. Yes, he lost his position of influence. Yes, he lost his position of authority. That didn't change the essence of who he was. And that's because he said it's never time. Because you know what? Titles change. CEO today, unemployed tomorrow. Titles change. They do all the time. God causes us to rise and he causes us to fall at times. And so we've got to find out who we are in him and who he calls us. 
And God has never called me Pastor Tanya. When I'm crying and I'm seeking his face and I'm trying to get to the heart, to the heart of his plan for my life and what he wants to do and where he wants me to go and the ordering of my steps, he's calling me by name, not by my title. And I'm not saying not to use titles and use them as signs of respect because they are, they're necessary, they're needed. But God is saying that's not who you are. Who you are is who you are when you're just, it's just me and you. No pretensions. And that's the lesson that, 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 that he never learned. Because had he learned that, he wouldn't have been so devastated that he had to take his own life. And the thing was, I, I, and I, this may not be spiritual, but this is the thing. He was right. His plan was right. Had he stayed alive, he could have been like, I told you so. He was right. They didn't take his advice and they ended up getting defeated. Had they taken his advice, had his advice, they wouldn't. He, if he had realized who he really was, he would have had time to say, now y'all gonna listen to me next time. But he let people throw him off course. How many times have we allowed people to throw us off course of our dreams and our destiny? Because what they think is more important than what God has revealed and shared to us. We do it all the time. Girl, you know you too old to think like that. We old, that was back when we were teenagers. To dream dreams like that, you better settle down and get comfortable. And you begin to think, yeah, I'm not as young as I used to be. God said, if I've spoken something into your spirit, don't let somebody undeclare what I've made a declaration. Even though they probably make more sense than you do. But God said, when I have a, a calling on your life, when I have a plan for your life, when I have a, a, a holy plan from the time that you were born, you've got to believe that thing more than you believe the breath in your lungs because the reality is that's why the Bible tells us that faith is not what we see it's what we can't if we could see the plans of God if we could see the end if we could see when we finally get to Zion man we would keep going it's the fact that all we see right now in certain seasons is that tree outside my window and God said but you got to remember what I've said to you, not only what I've said to you in your quiet time, what does my word say about you? There's nowhere in God's word that says, and the faithful will end up in ruin. And the faithful will end up disappointed. And the faithful will end up with their hearts broken. And there's no way, he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and I'll strengthen your heart. That's what he says about you. You say, well, God hasn't said anything about it. You need to get in your word. David said, I once was young. Now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's what God says about you. David says, I, I would have given up, except I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, wait, I say on the Lord. That's your story. But what story are you believing? What story do you believe? Do you really believe the Jeremiah 29? That he really has good plans for your life? Do you really believe the Jeremiah 1 when he says, before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, I had good plans? Is that the story we're believing or are we believing you're not qualified? We would love to have you, but... You know, you really don't have what we need. God said, you have everything that you need. I just got to match you up with the right person that's looking for what I put in you. It's easier said than done. It's easy to say that's another thing when you get rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection after disappointment. But God said, you got to hold to what I say. You got to hold to what I say. What's your option? Anybody ever thought what plan B was? Right, exactly. <laughs> Don't look too good. God said, you just got to trust me in the midst of all of this. So that's the first lesson.
Let's look at the next lesson. That's what not to do. Don't find confidence in man. Don't worry about your title. Because even if it changes, God said who I've put in you and what I've put in you and who I've called you to be is everlasting. As long as you line yourself up with my word. The next thing, and this is something I've read this story all my life that I never saw before. That's why I love the word of God. I told you it's alive, it's living. And it wasn't added. I just never saw it before. And it's in 1 Sam, Samuel. But the next thing that we do in this season of promotion, in this season of, of elevation, continue in your pattern of faithfulness. Continue in your pattern of faithfulness. That same faithfulness you showed in Bethlehem, show it during your season of promotion. Now's not the time to get cocky or lazy or comfortable. As you were faithful in Bethlehem, be faithful in Gibeah. Be faithful. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 17, verse 14. It says, David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. Now this is coming right up to the part where he's getting ready to stand before Goliath. So let's understand the, the, the sequence of things. So he's already been anointed king. He ended up back with the sheep. Then they called him from the sheep to go play the harp. But while he's playing the harp, the aid to the king, the king depended on him. Do you know he still had to go back home and take care of those sheep? I never knew that. I thought he was just in the king's palace. But that's not where he was. Look at verse 15. It says, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. You mean I got a position at the White House and I still got to go back home and take out the trash? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're still a member of this family. You still have roles. You still have obligations. I'm glad you got elevation. You still got work to do. Here, come on home, get this trash. And guess what? He did it. So he, I mean, he had two jobs now. He got a full-time job and a part-time job. Working. Because just because you getting elevated to the White House, I still don't have nobody to take care of these sheep. That's your job. I don't have anybody else to do it. So you got to come home and take it. And he did it. The Bible never said where he complained. So here he is. Palace. Back with the sheep. One minute in the king's house, next minute in the field, cleaning up after dirty sheep. But he did both with faithfulness and consistency. See, here's our thing. We do real good in the king's palace. Then we get back to the sheep. <laughs> don't, you, don't you know? <laughs> Didn't you hear the news? a job with, with, with the king. And God is like, I know, and I still need you to take care of the sheep. He said, I need you to be faithful. I don't care what you've done and where I put. He said, I wanna, I'm still looking for your faithfulness. I don't care how many degrees you have, how intelligent you are, how many languages you speak, how many years you have been saved. If you are serving in the kingdom of God, there's nothing too small for you to do. And there's nothing that you are too grand to do. And that's where we get. He said, no, I need you. I still need you faithful. Regard. And then not only that, so he's working in the palace, working with the sheep, and then his dad is still giving him chores. He go take this lunch to your brothers. Can you imagine with someone, are you kidding me? I've been at the palace all day. I came home to take care of the sheep. Now I got to go back out to, to take them lunch? Why can't they come get their lunch? But you know what? If you know what comes after that lunch story... Y'all realize it's how faithfulness in the little things that our next elevation comes. That was the best lunch delivery he ever did. And that's the lessons that we learn in this season. Be faithful to the menial in the midst of the miraculous. 
Be faithful to the menial in the midst of the... The fact that he was now serving the king was a miracle. He was a shepherd, son of Jesse. And now he's at the, the king's feet. That's a miracle. That doesn't happen every day. But in the midst of your miracle, God said, still be faithful for what you consider menial. He said, because I'm still looking for faithfulness. I'm still looking for faithfulness. The next thing, faithfulness, and I just said this, in the seemingly small things, I said seemingly. Someone say seemingly. Because see, sometimes what's small to us is big to God. The fact that he was still obedient to his father is a big thing. That's not a small thing. But faithfulness in the seemingly small things while experience promotion, while experiencing promotion could lead to greater levels of promotion and elevation. It was in his obedience during the season when he followed his father's order to take his lunch that he would now be faced with one of the stories that would make a name for him like no other. Because it was that lunch delivery when he saw Goliath. And he said, why y'all scared? And God was getting ready to set him up for yet another elevation. But it didn't come because of his role playing the harp. It came because he was obedient to what his father had asked him to do. We want big things from God. We believe God for big things. But God said, I need you to be obedient in the, in, in the small stuff. Because the reality is, if you can't do what I'm asking you to do with the small stuff, you sure enough go mess up the big stuff. And so these are the two lessons, the first two lessons we learned in this season of early promotion. That we've got to realize that our identity is not in people, it is in God. Our identity is not tied to a position or a title. It's tied to who God says we are. If you don't know who God says you are, read your word. We always want a voice to come from heaven. God said, but I've already spoken it in my word. So while you're waiting for just, a he said, just read my word and you'll see all that I have in store for your life. That there's nothing that can separate you from my love. And then the other thing we've got to learn in this is to continue to be faithful. Continue to be faithful. Next week, we will pick up in this season to see what else God has to show us. Amen. Amen. Everybody standing on your feet. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location. 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.